Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. It's the new year. Uh, perhaps a new Flyers. They're getting some players back tonight. Uh, maybe at some point, maybe 10 games from now, they'll stop dressing one of the worst players in the NHL. We'll see. We'll get into that. Uh, but, uh, you know what? Let's just get into the intros. A lot to say about this team we took last week off for the holidays. Let's lead things off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. So someone tweeted this morning a thing that I didn't realize, which is that tonight is the last 10 p.m. start time for the Flyers for the entire season. And I can't think oh, of anything God. better than that. I would really have preferred. Pleased. I would really have preferred these games be like this week and next week. Like, yeah. Over the holidays, I don't want to do shit, especially a post game at one thirty in the morning. I'd <laughs> gladly do it this week, gladly. But uh, like th- during the holidays, no, that's horrible. Oh, is that inconvenient for you? That's wild. I'm surprised you don't want to stay up till two o'clock in the morning, like the day after Christmas. it was sincerely not fun i didn't say up for a single one of these games so i'm not even going to pretend i had a bad time i simply did not watch them (laughs) highly recommend that by the way (laughs) is is that why we were struggling to find tweeting because kelly was just like nope not doing it yeah before the the road trip started i was like so just so everybody knows i love that not tweeting these games my ass will be asleep half an hour before the puck drops Sorry. It, like, it would be one thing <laughs> if they were worth watching, but, like, they're yeah. the most boring fucking team of all time. Like, I just, the, the sense of fatalism, like, they're 5-1-2 and two since the losing streak, and it feels like they're 0-8. It, it does. It seems like a long time since we've had any fun. Remember, like, the first two games of the season where things were, like, kind of fun for a second? Oh, that was good. That was good. No, I don't, actually. (laughs) I will say beating Seattle, like, beating Dave Haxtall is good. He is an enemy of mine. Like, I I thoroughly enjoyed that game of uh, of this trip. I will give him that. Oh, yeah. Oh, completely. I fucking hate that guy. Any, For- any opportunity to dunk on Dave Haxtell, I will take with, like, wide open arms. And the way it unfolded, they took the lead, and the Flyers then scored immediately. Like, hmm, hmm. I've seen this happen to Dave Haxtell teams before. <laughs> so, like, that was nice. Where we've seen that before. Hmm. It's, just a, it's just a coincidence, fam. Correlation from, is not causation. From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. You know what? We're talking about this, uh, you know, this road trip. And one thing, it's it's not like a major thing, but it's something that you, I guess, you would love if the West Coast teams would do this kind of out of courtesy. It really 
irritated me that two of the three West Coast games didn't just start at 10, they started at 10.30. 10.30. Like, like, could, you, could you do us all a favor here, guys? Like, when you're, when you're hosting an East Coast team, maybe, just maybe, you start your game at 7 your time rather than 7.30. Like, really, what's the point here? Like, is it traffic? Is that why they do it? Because they, they're because it's L.A. and San Jose, and they want to give the people an extra half hour to get there in time. But, like, I mean, come on. It's a weeknight, especially the San Jose games, a Thursday night. Like, yeah, I guess a lot of people have off. Not everybody, but some people have off on New Year's Eve. But, like, come on, that extra half hour, especially because it's the freaking Flyers, and you knew those games were going to go into overtime because they're the Flyers, <laughs> and they, they, live to, they live to torture their fans. So, of course, those games are going into OT. Like, just start the game at 7. Do us all a favor. That's Charlie. Charlie has cable, and I have YouTube. So I'm, like, 15 to 20 seconds behind. And that goal, when you tweeted me, Charlie, I guess it was during the Seattle game. You were like, that one was for you, Bill. I was still on <laughs> Seattle's goal. So I'm like, oh, they scored. Awesome. This isn't going to overtime. That's all well and good. And then I realized you were being sarcastic. As I always the Flyers, am. The Flyers <laughs> then scored immediately after. And I was like, son of a bitch. But yeah, like these games in a row that have gone, what is it now, four in a row? And granted, they had like the whole COVID slash Christmas break in between. Was it like four in a row that went to overtime before the Kings game? Yeah, like, I guess so. That was ridiculous. Yeah, because the, the Ottawa game went into OT, the Montreal game went into OT. So yeah, um, and Montreal game went into freaking shootout. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I guess it would have been four games in a row. Yikes, man! They just they they really really enjoy like this they, was, and we maybe we're gonna get into this a little bit later. But like they went on what amounted to a seven game point streak, and that had to be the most underwhelming seven game point streak I think I've ever seen. They looked bad for most of it, <laughs> and, like and their games like the games going to overtime. It is the perfect encapsulation of who they are they are a 500 team that plays 500 games like yeah. that like oh yeah well it's 2-2 guess we gotta go to overtime all right last but certainly not least stephalicious d steph driver uh just wanted to say a thank you to everyone who hung out with me and kelly on new year's eve oh yeah how'd that go it's fun new year's day it it was the most fun I was under Bill's account, so no one really knew who the other voice was. They just knew it wasn't Bill. I kept doing um, a thing where I was like, oh, look, Bill's here. And I was like, no, no, it's not. It's not. No, no it's, it's just Steph. So <laughs> I had to, like, a bunch of people at the New Year's party I was at, they're like, Bill, are you live right now? I was like, no. I'm sitting here smoking a cigarette talking to you. Clearly, I am not on the air. <laughs> it is. It's Steph. It's Steph Driver. And like, of course, out of our regular listeners, a bunch of them knew my voice just hearing me. But it was funny. It was funny. We had we had a bunch of people from all over fandoms. Did you get uh, the Australian our... guy? No. I almost guy? had my dad on, but he say, called. You, you he... get an Australian guy? Yeah. And he's like, I thought he was fucking with me at first because of his accent, but he's actually Australian. Does he live in Australia? Um, yes. So he calls does in. Does he need a wife? Wow. <laughs> I was waiting oh, there we for go. it. I'm so glad you said it. I was. Waiting I assumed he was related to you or something, Steph. <laughs> he might be. Probably not. But Isn't everyone ask him if he Australia needs a wife. Ask him if he related. wants to be related. Yes, 100%. <laughs> 
Well done, Kelly. Well done. But no, it was it was so much fun. We took we did talk more hockey than I was expecting, but it wasn't super intense. Um, you know, as I said on the recording, you give me one percent, and I will run the other ninety nine. So it was a lot of me talking about TikTok. And could have predicted that it was a lot of Steph talking. <laughs> who could have possibly known that I that that both Steph Driver and Bill Matz can carry two hours just talking to ourselves? Who knew that? It is fun uh, though, but like it was, getting get, having the people so call in, and it's pretty. It's a pretty good it's, deal. It's so much fun. We had a few people from Broad Street Hockey jump in and, and talk to us, and then we were sharing our favorite stories about all kinds of things. Um, I said things really weird right there, so please ignore that. Is that how Australians um, say it? Things. Things. Maybe. Um, it was so much fun, so thank you, everyone. We have not found the recording yet. We're trying, but we haven't found it. So oh, when we do it find exist. it, when or if... Nah. We'll put it up on the podcast feed, but right now it is lost to the sands of time. Next time, you should hang out with us if you want to listen to us ramble about Oak Island for 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) by the way, Bill, it was demanded that Kelly and I just surprise take over for you from time to time. So, Well, there's a game tonight. (laughs) I promise you, we're not going to to do it tonight. Yeah, today's not the day. Sorry, we Bill. are not doing it tonight. Anything, I might not even stay up for this game, and you know that that's serious. Anything I can do to work less, I will absolutely <laughs> do. I All right. Well, no, it, it seriously was a lot of fun. We talked about how 2021 had gone and how 2022 was going to go and what we wanted to have happen to the world i believe there was a lot of fire involved i don't know it was just fun it was a lot of fun so basically it was like an existential crisis on radio oh god yeah, oh, god, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yes did, did you not just hear that i was talking for 99 percent of the time of course it was an existential crisis on air good to hear it was like should, should we call someone about her no <laughs> i'm fine all right. So, uh, speaking of things that are fine, so the flyers. So yeah. So speaking of things so, that are fine. Yeah. Hey-o. So, like I said, uh, they they had that seven game point streak. Uh, they're now five one and two since the ten game losing streak. Um, I you know that's that's a nice way to turn things around and restore some sort of normalcy and like just not be a complete laughing stock. Uh, they're right in the playoff mix. They're on the bubble. They're they're there. Uh, they'll probably squeak in and ruin their draft picks even further. But we'll get into that down the I'll line. I'll be so mad. Oh, they're going to the playoffs. Like, like I'll it's be happened. so mad. I, I we haven't gotten here yet, and I Some know sort that of we dumbass tiebreakers but... going to put them in. Like, can we just shut Ryan Ellis down for the rest of the season so that there's absolutely Who? no chance of them saving it? Who's I Ryan mean, they Ellis? might not actually have to shut him down. He may not play this year, it, but... It, it certainly didn't sound positive what Mike Yo said No. Yesterday, which is basically like, no. he's making no progress. That ain't good. No. 
What is it? Do we know? Is it groin? So people have been asking me this on Twitter, you know, and, and I get it. I get the like, you know, tell us what's wrong. Tell us what's wrong. My understanding based on the people I've talked to is that Ryan Ellis, like the Flyers under Ron Hextall did not give out any injury information. That was just what they did. That's why a lot of people have made the joke, well, it's the Mark Streit thing. The funny thing with the Mark Streit thing when he had the detached pubic they plate was like, us. that was the only injury that Ron Hextall was willing to it tell people about. It was too good. It was you like, couldn't keep that it, it was like Ron was almost like in his in his office like, these assholes want to learn about injuries? All right, can't wait to tell them about this one. But everything well, else. That's exactly what happened as far as I'm yeah. con- concerned. But like, every convinced. other injury he didn't tell us about. And like, occasionally someone would would break it but usually it just went completely you know unknown well Fletcher has been different I mean Fletcher generally speaking has given out information about injuries the Ellis injury has been kind of unique it was like the Ellis injury and the Patrick thing and I I get the the sense based on the people I've talked to that Ryan Ellis is just kind of a private guy and he doesn't like his you know injury and medical information being out there and he's probably told the Flyers like hey don't reveal my injury. So that's the main reason why it's not out there. Now, like I've heard, the reason why I haven't reported it is because I've heard a few different things. Like I've heard a few different people say it's this, and then it's like, it's this. And let me put it this way. It's all in the same realm of the body. Like you can kind of guess where it is. Like it's like around the core, but like, I don't know what the oh, exact I don't know what the exact issue <laughs> is because I've heard like three different specifics, but like that fits with why it's taking longer than they expect because it's a weird injury as we've seen with so many guys over the last five six years on this team that have had injuries in that general vicinity of the body. Why does everyone on the Flyers keep getting a core muscle injury? Are they because, just because it's, it's, it's hockey? Like, it's hockey, what? and like that's where... I know, but Charles, it seems like a lot. Well, I mean, it's also just because like you know. God hates us. Oh, okay. I mean, valid reason, really. I mean, actually, you know what? That's, God that, that, doesn't exist. That you say, that's maybe going too to far suffer. because that's assuming the existence of a higher power. So maybe I should go even more nihilistic. But uh, like this is this gets into something I wanted to talk about on today's show. Uh, this team has absolutely like run out of the benefit of the doubt. And I'm not going to give them any sort of pass or be like, you know, another year if they were to run this thing back. No. But I will say, in their defense, you're missing... We, we learned on, what, December 20th that Couturier's been hurt all year. Uh, Ellis er, has played a handful of games. And um, Kevin Hayes, that's the one I can't think of. Hayes coming back from two core muscle surgeries. Uh, without your top two centers and your top defensemen, how could any team compete? Like, you wouldn't. I mean, the Penguins did a decent job. I was going to say the Penguins. (laughs) They're just some sort of weird fucking anomaly. Like, they just just continue to do this shit. And, like, Latang didn't miss a ton of time, did he? Like, they have other pieces. So do the Flyers. But, like, it's not like, is anyone picking the Penguins to win the Stanley Cup? Like, it's not like that's their ceiling. I think the Rangers are going to win the division. Like, how could How annoying is that, by the way? Yeah, it's it's, real real annoying. It's incredibly annoying. Uh, But I'm just like, yes, the Penguins, they do do it. And that's why I'm saying the Flyers, they are out of the benefit of the doubt. However, if in August, 
I was to say, hey guys, what do you think this team is without Couturier, Hayes, and Ellis? Uh, the answer would be they are bad. And, you know, they've, they've been bad. I mean, I do agree that the idea that you can just hand wave those injuries away and say that, like, it, they should be good anyway is a little bit silly. And it gets back to that whole, like, excuses versus reasons thing that Flyers fans do for some reason. Like, you can call it an excuse if you want to, but it's also, like, the reason that they're bad. But because you add them, you add all those players back in, like there, there's simply no argument to be made that the team would be the same or worse if you added those players back in. Like watching the San Jose game, it's just like, hey, if we had Sean Couturier, this is a this is like a four two win, you know, and, and instead mm-hmm. they they lose in overtime. But I, I think, when we get to go ahead, Charlie. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really what you have to do, and it's hard to do with full accuracy because you're essentially guessing. I mean, cause you're, you're, you're projecting based on something you haven't seen, but I think it can be said, like you could simultaneously say that the flyers have gotten uniquely unlucky with regards to the impact of injuries, you know, with it hitting the specific positions on the roster where they really don't have anyone, you know, to, uh, you know, to, to kind of step in in those roles and to fill those voids so then it hurts especially. You can you could acknowledge that, and you can say they'd be better. But you can also say, even if they have those guys, just how much better would they be? You sure. know, would they be, like, what what are they with, with Sean Gattieri at full strength, with Kevin Hayes at full strength, with Ryan Ellis actually playing hockey games? Like, are they a great team? I'm I'm very skeptical they are. Are they a good team? Maybe. Are they a decent team? Absolutely. I, I'm convinced they are a decent team. I just don't know what this team's ceiling is, even if they were to get lucky. And I because I because think, I, I, I think was... a lot of it I think a lot of the, the, the theory behind this team, like the, the team building philosophy behind this team was this idea that okay we have this deep team that doesn't have a lot of holes if everyone's healthy, and then we're going to bank on the team as a whole being better than the sum of its parts because they fit so well and you know all this other stuff. And obviously we haven't got to see if that's possible because we've never seen the team in its entirety, but that was already kind of a leap of faith that they could play better than they are, lacking you know a couple superstars. And you know the defense, like the, the defense core, for example, like... You can look at it. Alex Apriar was having a conversation with somebody on Twitter about this today. And, like, you can look at the defense and you can say that, okay, if you have Ryan Ellis and let's say you replace Keith Yandel with Cam York and Cam York is a solid third-pair defenseman in his rookie season, that's a fine defense. But it's not a great defense. Basically what that defense is is you, is you, have, you have, like, Every player in his ideal spot. You have Ryan Ellis is a solid number one. You have Ivan Provov, who is a fine number two. Sanheim is a fine number three. Risto is an okay number four. Braun is an okay number five. York is an okay number six. Like, it's a fine defense. It's not a great defense. Like, great defenses have, like, three number ones. Like, that's how you are a great defense. And the Flyers clearly don't have that. Like, they're trying to basically have everyone be in their natural spots, when in reality, the best teams don't have everyone in their natural spots because they can play guys who are better than the spot they're playing and which is how they win games a lot because they have Ryan McDonough on their second pair. They have Mikhail Sergachev on their third pair. Like, that's how you win a lot of games. And the Flyers never were built like that because they just don't have the talent of those kinds of teams. 
and uh, like <clears throat> going back to what would this team actually be? Like the idea is to me, it was always like you said, a decent team with the chance to grow into something as they work together, like yeah. throughout yeah. the season. Yeah. Um, when we talk about them being a deep team, it's about like their their regular roster. The guy, if everyone's healthy, like those twenty players. That's the depth. Because as we see, there is zero depth behind them. And that's what's like when we talk about excuses versus reasons. Like, one of the reasons they can't maintain anything when a couple of guys go down is like, Jesus Christ, who are we playing when when there's two guys out? Who are these players? Like, we had to go get Kevin Connaughton. Like, that's the that's that's Did what we're know? doing. Like did they need to do that, or are they just refusing to call up Cam York for well, that's, some reason? You know, because I mean, you have to play Keith have... Yandel, obviously. Can't yeah. possibly take him out of the lineup. And they... Cam York and him do, quote-unquote, the same thing. They I can't believe that's true. Have, they have defensive depth in Lehigh Valley that, for some reason, they have just decided it is not the time to draw on but, but they're not playing all that well. Like, that's the thing. Like, I, I think that's something that, like, keeps getting brought up. Like, why aren't you bringing up Cam York? Why aren't you bringing up Igor Zamul? And, like, there's a truth to that in the sense that, like, I think both of them probably would be better than what we've seen for Keith Yandel. But, like, neither of them are absolutely dominating the AHL. No, and I totally understand that. But, like, that's an argument that you make when you're like, okay, the Flyers are good. Why aren't you playing Cam York over Keith Yandel? Like, no, the Flyers are dog shit. The likelihood that Igor Zamula or Cam York would be worse than the two worst defensemen on the Flyers right now seems, I mean, it's at least a chance I would and take. Like, well, then, like well, then the, you get into the debate about development, which, Kelly, I know where you stand on development, which is basically like, it doesn't matter, bring them up. It's like COVID. It's not real. Uh, uh, like, at a certain <laughs> point, like, development, you need these guys to be NHL players, so you play them in the NHL. But, like, yes, maybe they're not playing great in the AHL. Um, I can't imagine a player who you picked up on waivers, uh, meaning the team he was on did not want him because he's not good enough to be on their roster, uh, is, was playing all that well. Nor can anyone make the case ever in the world that Keith Yandel is an NHL player. He is not. He might be the worst player in the league right now. Like, it, it's, it's a fucking embarrassment, and we'll get into plenty of Keith Yandel uh, uh, in a few. But I just want to get to... Um, I want to get to the question. How, how do we always end up with at least one defenseman that is worst in the league? Like, it doesn't matter what year it is. We always have one defenseman. Andrew McDonald is light years ahead of Keith Yandel. Like, right now. I mean. I would take Andrew McDonald right now. No, I don't know if I'd take him right now. Let's <laughs> not go that far. What's, what's, what's he been practice. doing the last couple of years? Yeah, he might be a little. Uh, what's Keith coach Yandel coach been doing the last couple of years other than turning the puck over? Hold on, Bill. You to the Andrew McDonald for coach? I think Bill's Andrew always McDonald's been on board with that. Andrew McDonald for fucking assistant captain. <laughs> we go. All right, Bill. Let's, assistant let, let's, let's take a big old step back here, buddy. <laughs> no, I, listen, Bill I is think, teetering on the edge, man. I think Andrew McDonald would make a hell of a coach because everyone says all, all, like, all these intangibles and his preparedness and everything. Clearly, he'd make a great coach. Uh, but I, there it is, Andrew McDonald, next coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, they already they're already using Nick Schultz, so like we're we're pretty close. Yeah, remember when Nick Schultz was worst defenseman in the NHL? We Nick we Sch have had so many of worst hey, defensemen hey, in the NHL. Nick Schultz, Nick Schultz should have won the Ashby Trophy. Damn it! Uh, 
Oh, I God, like I Nick Schultz. I, I didn't like him on the ice, that but as a, a as a player, as a or as a person, as a coach, I'm I'm fine. here for it. All right. So what? Um, like I I don't have the standings right in front of me. I did uh, a second ago, but like the Flyers are right in it in terms of the playoff race. Uh, they're yeah. right on the out. I, I mean, mean, like, yeah, from a point standpoint, from yes. From a point standpoint, But there's yes. the fact that Boston has four games in hand, and they're very clearly a much better team than the Flyers. But Boston, like, could potentially, like, be moving up, you know? And, yeah, like, right now, Pittsburgh is the first wild card at 41 points. Boston's second wild card at 34. Uh, Detroit is right there at 33. Flyers at 32. And, yes, Detroit's only played 28 games. Uh, in Boston. Detroit... Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Boston has played 28 games. Detroit's played 33. Flyers have played 32. Boston has a bunch of games in hand. Uh, but you're only a few points out. What should we even be rooting for with this team? Like, is we, it have still... 50, we have another 50 uh, yes, games of this yes, season. Yes, Steph. Yes, we do. Yes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Trust me. I know. I know. I can't. <laughs> like... It should have been 45 a month ago, and we're uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> all right. Agreed. What like? What should people be rooting for? Like, do we we we've talked like it's going to be tough to bottom out. It's going to be tough to have a fire sale this season and everything. A as much as it's kind of kicking the can down the line to maybe squeak into the playoffs. Is there is there an alternative? Like, what What the fuck is this team? Like, what direction are they heading in? I don't have an answer for any of your questions. Like, I don't know. Do they? I, I really no. don't, because I don't know what I'm hoping for. So I don't know how to advise other people. The idea of more games is terrifying. No, like, I just want this season to end, and then, like, let's try again in the fall. That's what I'm hoping for. So maybe... If COVID, you know, has another spike, but no one dies, <laughs> let's, I, I'm trying Jesus really hard Christ. here. Let's just cancel the season and try again. They in will the fall. absolutely I don't, not cancel. They will finish the no, season with us on the ice before they shorten another season. I am very, very good at skating and then laying down and not moving ever again in my life. Well, you could so, definitely play on this defense. Hit me up at the Flyers. Um, I I have no idea what this team is. I think they're. I, I I'm I echo what you guys have already said. Like they're a decent team, not a good team, not a bad team. They're um, better than the bad if, teams. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that, I think that's an accurate way to put it. They're better than the if, bad teams. If like. I don't want them to make the playoffs, but I know that they're going to be like right there. It'll I kind of want be them to just bottom out games. this season, but they're not going to. Like they're not going to unless they sit Carter Hart. Yeah. I I don't know, man. I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer for this team, and that sucks. I just don't know. Like the 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 realization I've kind of come to over the last couple of weeks is that I don't. I don't know if I see a path the rest of the season for these games to get much better because like no. the thing is is that for this team for this team to be good 
like to be good this season, to turn it around. And I'm not just saying turn it around from a win-loss standpoint. I'm saying like really turn it around from a process standpoint. Number one, they need Ryan Ellis back because this defense is just just, just doesn't work without him. And I don't know if he's coming back. I really don't. I mean, we just heard sure we just heard from like Mike it. Yo that he's making no progress and he's really frustrated. Like that that tells me that he ain't coming back anytime soon and might not be coming back at all this season. Then you've got Kevin Hayes, who like I look, I am not at the point where like some people have just like decided Kevin Hayes is trash and he's awful and like throw him over the boat. Like I don't, I don't think that, but like I don't think we're gonna see the best version of Kevin Hayes until next season. Definitely not. No. Like I don't think that's gonna happen. So you're gonna have the rest of the year. Your second line center is gonna be hampered by the fact that he had two surgeries in five months. So you're not gonna get the full version of Kevin Hayes. And then with Sean Couturier, he's banged up. Now the hope is you know he comes back relatively soon and he's you know closer to the full strength Sean Couturier the Flyers need. But even if he does, and you're 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 rolling with. No number one defenseman because Ryan Ellis is still out, and you're rolling with a shell of Kevin Hayes. Like, I don't know if this team is talented enough without those two guys, whether they're just not playing or nowhere near 100%, to really turn it around from a process standpoint. Then you add in the fact that, like, I think the Flyers, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying this to be, like, hypercritical of Mike Yo. I, I I I like dealing with Mike Yo. I don't think he's like a horrible coach. I don't think he's like a game changing head coach. And I think if the Flyers really were thinking about like, okay, how do we turn the season around? They would be like, we're gonna go out and we gotta hire a really good coach. And there are some really good coaches out there that I think could provide that jolt. The thing is, is that they're kind of in a position. I've talked about this on past shows where. I don't know if it makes sense. I really don't think it makes sense for them to commit to another big-name coach right now that's going to cost a lot of money because if you're not sure yet what you're going to do this offseason, if you're not even necessarily sure yet if Chuck Fletcher is going to be the GM who guides you through whatever the next stage of the Flyers is going to be, then I don't think you want to give him the ability to hire a a coach who's going to cost, you know, $4 million a year for five years because you don't want to lock yourself into having like a Claude Julian or a John Tortorella for the next four years just to find out in the offseason that you make the decision you're going to blow it up and then they're coaching a blow it up team, which is not what they do. So you're kind of stuck. You've got players that you're, you're never... I'm at the point where, like, I don't think they're ever going to have the roster they thought they were going to have going into the season, and they're going to be rolling it out with a coach who probably doesn't have the ability. He's a lame duck. He doesn't have the ability to really, really turn this around from a process standpoint. So, what's the rest of the season just going to be like? Is it just going to be like a bunch? Yeah, like a bunch of games like we've seen for the last three weeks, where like it's not it's not as bad it's not as bad as it was the last few weeks under Vino because clearly they like and respect Mike Yo and they're and they're playing for him, but they're just not that good. So like, yeah, and I think that that's that's the 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 really pivotal, the the really important point. They're just not that good. I don't hate Canadian Mike. I Canadian Mike. I <laughs> English Mike. You guys clearly don't listen to Flyperbole, and that's fine. Everyone else listen to Flyperbole. Thank you. Um, I don't think that he's the answer, but I don't hate him. And I don't think that I would dislike him sticking around for another few seasons. But this this is a lost season. Nothing is going to happen this year. No. No Mike Yo for a few seasons. No. 
I mean, but unless like, they if do they're decide blowing, they're gonna, if they're going to blow okay. it up. Right. If they decide they're going to blow it up, then like, I don't really cares? give a fuck who's the coach. Yeah, that's kind, that's, yeah. that's kind that's kind of what I was saying. Yeah, like, that, if they're going to blow it up, who cares? Leave Mike Yo. They like him. I just think Mike Yo has the track record. Like, there's there's probably like three different types of coaches in the NHL. There are actually good, good actually really good coaches that actively make teams better than they are. There are actively really bad coaches that actually make teams worse than they are. And then there's a bunch of them that are just kind of like in the same boat where like if you give them a really good team, the team will probably be really good. If you give them a bad team, team will be bad. If you give them a mediocre team, team will be mediocre. And I think Mike Yo's track record tells me that he's probably in that third group, which like if you're rebuilding, that's fine. And, you know, maybe there's there's facts that like the players like him so maybe he'd be a good developmental coach I'm not sure but you know if they were going to turn this around really this season they would need one of those guys who's an actively really good coach that makes teams better than they are but the problem is is that I don't think it's a good idea necessarily to commit to that guy because even if they get one of those guys who makes this team better than it is how much better can that guy actually make this team so that I mean so okay if we're stipulating all of those things are true, then the only answer is to blow it up. And do we honestly think that they're going to do that because the hard truth of blowing it up is it involves trading Carter Hart? I, I don't think they would trade Carter Hart. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think you're that, not I, I think, go full tank with Carter I think Hart. That, well, I, mean, I, I think they would hope that if they're going to do that kind of rebuild, they would hope. Because, I mean, if you think about it, like, there were years where they had pretty good goaltending and they still were pretty bad. So, like, thinking back to that year when Mason was, like, a stealth Vesna contender and they still were awful. I know, they were they, like, the a seventh, lottery team? Though? They got the seventh overall pick. That was the year oh, they had Provorov. Yeah. So, okay. like, it can be done. Now, it's not necessarily going to get you the first or second overall pick. That would be, I would assume the route that they would go if they decide to 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 do the blow it up and rebuild is they would try to get a bunch of top 10 picks you know maybe uh, one of those years you try to find a way to trade up even though those top five picks rarely get traded it's i don't know it, it's they're, like in, they're they're in a tough spot they're, but I, I don't think they would realistically despite the fact that i made that argument that the thing that scares me about the idea of a rebuild is that carter hart's so good that he never lets you fully bottom out like i don't think them trading carter hart is even a thought in their minds no it seems can't. like a stupid thing to that's do. not gonna happen they can't the flyers will end up with a bunch of 10 top 10 picks and they'll end up with a bunch of ivan provorovs that are giant disappointments and not hit on like one trevor zegras like the flyer like i just feel like that's how it goes eat arby's i just i just yeah, think it's never real hit. easy <laughs> i just think it's real easy to only play carter hart in half the games like we have a young goalie we have a young goalie we're bringing along we're trying out a bunch of young kids why would we burn him out we're only going to play him sometimes like boom problem solved like Seems simple to me. Uh, we're going to, yeah, let's take the commercial break here. And we're going to be back on the other side. And we're going to talk more about some goaltending as well as my favorite player in the league, Keith Yandel. So uh, hang out <laughs> through this commercial and we'll be back. All right, fam, we are back. And uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just start off with, uh, with, with Keith Yandel here. Uh, because, man, there's a lot of problems with this team. And, you know, if... In a perfect world, if Keith Yandel is your six, you can like hide him and shelter him and do the things you got to do. But since they're like in, uh, you know, intent on playing 
the Nick Sealers and Kevin Connaughtons of the world. Um, it's it's, it's Connaughton, right? Connaughton, yeah. Connaughton. Who gives it's it is definitely Connaughton. Connaughton. Okay. Connaughton. Just making sure I, I haven't lost my mind here. Can't play it in. How about that? Um, <laughs> I mean, if you want to make there this into is. a Dale Weiss thing, that's fine. Like, I'm not going to pronounce his name right until I'm not angry at this team. But I just wanted so, to make sure, like, I wasn't crazy that his name is Kevin Connaughton. So Keith Yandel has played in 954 consecutive games. The record held by Doug Jarvis is 964. At 965, if they do not pull Keith Yandel aside and say, here are your options, press box, AHL, or waive your no trade, what the fuck are, like, how can we take this team seriously if they're going to put out this guy who cannot play every single night? Like, that's the thing is, they have excuses to play him now. They don't have six NHL defensemen. They don't have five. Uh, but there is <laughs> there is a 0% chance Cam York isn't better than him. I don't care if he's not ready a little bit. I don't care if he doesn't know how to lace up his skates without the little skate key you need to tighten him. He's a better <laughs> player than Keith Yandel. He has to be. I had a thought the other day that I know like a lot of people are thinking that as soon as he hits that, what is it, 965 or something? Like as soon as he hits that, they're going to pull him from the lineup. But I was like, nah, because then they're still breaking his streak. Like they're not going to break his streak. His streak will continue past breaking the record, and they're not going to break it. Then someone needs to trip him in practice. <laughs> there is Travis a, the one thing that where is really, Radko Gudis when we need uh, him? He's, he's doing pretty well in Florida this year. I was um, going to say playing good defense for another team. The one thing that really does like it is wild to me. It's absolutely wild, and like. In no way, shape, or form, to be clear, am I saying, like, I want Keith Yandel to get COVID. But it's amazing that he didn't get COVID when his roommate had COVID. It's wild. It is, like, they live together. Like, I, I really oh, was wondering if, so like... this shit's so fake. The all of it, they would hide that There's no way they would hide it. There's ever. no way they would hide it. Oh, come on. No way. Who can? No way. But, like, it, it was, like... As soon as Kevin Hayes, like, got tested positive, I was like, oh, God, like, this is how Yandel's streak is going to end. He's going to have to sit out because he's going to test positive for COVID. And the fact that he didn't was like, like, you know what? The Flyers are, are so underwhelming this year. Like, I get the frustration with Keith Yandel that he's bad and he shouldn't be playing and he's been struggling really since the first, like, five games of the season. But, like, they're not, Flyers aren't going anywhere whether they start Cam York or not. So let the guy freaking get his, get his streak. I, just, I like, agree. That's giving up. Though. I don't care. Like, to me, like, I don't, like, the streak, whatever, fine, get it. It's just, you are purposefully choosing to play a worse player. Bill, like, if this the, is like, the decision like, is that the you're first making. Bill, if, if the, if, if the fact but that I thought Keith we were over is, that. If the fact that Keith Yandel is playing over Cam York, a third-pair defenseman, is playing over a rookie who probably isn't ready, if that's, like, what's causing the Flyers to be mediocre, like, come on. What, what are we talking about here? Also, let's we've talked a thousand times. I think this is a Charlie thing that he says all the time that giant glaring mistakes by a defenseman are only giant glaring mistakes by a defenseman when they end up in the back of the net. And perhaps when Carter Hart, nah, is he back, makes them that don't end up in them. the back of the net too. 
fewer of them will end up in the back of the net and then we won't care so much he's i will say that like yandel i mean and i was i I pointed out on twitter like i made the thing that like look if you're gonna bring cam york on this trip as a a taxi squad extra like if you've if you've acknowledged that he's close enough that you're that you're okay doing that then like you probably should have a hard hard conversation about whether he should be starting over keith yandel that said that was during i believe the san jose game and keith yandel had some really bad plays he had that turnover on the power play that led directly to the goal but he also had two really good plays that led directly to the Flyers' two goals. So, like, he's not completely useless. It's just that his bad probably outweighs his good. And the Flyers don't have the ability, like Florida did last year, to shelter the hell out yes. of him. Yeah. Like, that was the reason why in Florida last season he was okay. And it was because they had a deep enough team and they had a really good coach who probably isn't the best person, but they had a really good coach who was able to um, to, to shelter him and basically only put him in positions where he was likely to succeed. The Flyers don't have that ability because they don't have that great of a defense score. So they can't like only give Keith Yandel offensive zone starts. They can't only have him play against fourth lines. And what you're seeing is this is what happens when you have Keith Yandel play like normal NHL usage. He's going to get his burned partner. Off. And his partner, instead of the steady-as-she-goes Justin Braun, is a waiver claim. Like, constantly. One of two waiver claims. Yeah, yeah. whether it's one or the other, it's a waiver claim. Uh, like, like I started out saying, if he was your six and you could hide him and figure out different ways to use him, that would be one thing. But you can't, because his partner is just as bad. You have a whole pair. It's... It's the first week. It's not like this is the playoffs where for 58 minutes a game, the, the third pair can just fucking sit on the bench. It's the first week of January. Well, they have to play. Do you think? And you can't play them. Do you them. think? Okay. Do you think okay. that Chuck Fletcher's um, original goal building this team was to have Yandel super sheltered? I'm yeah. sure it was. I think that was the, the expectation, yeah. Because if yeah. you look at the way this defense was built... I mean, you because assume, Ryan Ellis was just going to take. Yeah, you you assume so Ellis Ellis and Provorov get, get the most minutes. The yeah. yeah, Sanheim is going to Sanheim and Risto are going to fill out the top four. Braun is your five, and Yandel is your six. Who probably yeah. like I think I think the expectation was Yandel's your six. You probably have you know when there's an offensive zone start, you put Yandel and Braun out there. When there's a defensive zone start, maybe you put Braun and you give Provorov the extra shift. Like you yeah. shelter, you shelter Yandel. Yandel ends up with maybe like three fewer minutes of five on five ice time a night than Braun, who is the five. And then you make that up for because Yandel gets all the power play time. I think that was the plan. And then it gets blown up because Ryan Ellis can't play. <sighs> How come I'm, Yandel's I'm sad. Yandel's basic stick handling and passing is like generally subpar yes every now and then he makes a play that makes you go oh that that's keith yandel but like that i always thought like the last thing you lose is your hands and he mishandles the puck all the time i think yandel has he has good vision but maybe his his puck handling isn't where it used to be the the last thing you lose is your hands yes but he had good hands he didn't have elite hands like i just didn't think he'd be like the guy like if justin braun had these turnovers i'd be like all right makes sense he doesn't even need a stick half the time 
But, like, this is the guy who's here to make the outlet passes. And the puck is everywhere but where it needs to be, like, three quarters of the time. All right. I- I'm going to move on from Keith Yandel because he fucking We should bring back me. Luke Shen. Probably. Oh, He's for better. For sake, Driver. I'm completely joking. Isn't he He's on the worse now? No. He's, He's not, not worse. Now, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's not worse. Um, he was real good at stretch passes. <laughs> Let's talk about. Hey, he's won the a couple team. cups now, right? Yeah, yeah. We get that a veteran couple? presence. Yeah. Yeah. He's been there. He can do it. No. Uh, <laughs> hey, they didn't have him and didn't win the cup, and they got him and they did win the cup. So I don't know. Uh, you know, correlation equals Look causation. Look at the big brain on Bill. <laughs> only in this one one instance. Luke Shen and Braden Shen have both won Stanley Cups, and yet we're still here with our cupboards empty. So, we were talking about Carter Hart earlier. Merry Christmas, everyone. We were talking about Carter Hart a few minutes ago, and I want to talk about this goalie situation here. Um, We were saying how it might be tough for them to totally bottom out. I don't know if that's the case, because... You can just not play hard all the time. Like, he doesn't have to make 60 starts. Real easy. Oh, he's making 38 this year. Figure it out. Uh, Felix Sandstrom, the next Lundquist, of son, as some have called him. Uh, very smart people used to very, call him that. It's true. The best, the best people. <laughs> the best people. Uh, and he looked pretty damn good in his NHL debut. He did. Uh, he's had a rough few seasons, obviously. Uh, the excitement, the, uh, the excitement level with him was high for some time. He, uh, you know, had, had a great career in Sweden, comes over to North America, battles some injuries. He battled injuries over there, but kind of didn't know what we were getting with Felix Sandstrom. When I saw he was starting, I immediately bet the over on the game, uh, lost that You one. fool! Yeah, but <laughs> given that, Martin Jones is having a pretty damn good year uh, as the backup on this team, and he's, he's had, you know, great runs throughout his career. Martin Jones is on a one-year deal. If you're going to, like, kind of point this season in the direction of we're building towards something else, wouldn't it behoove this team to move on from Martin Jones and play Felix Sandstrom, figure out what he is? I mean, I think if they decide they're going to sell, then that is definitely Would it even be selling? I mean, it, he, it kind of is. Yeah, I mean, if somebody wants a decent, you know, a decent like He's backup, a backup on a one-year also- deal. But like, again, this is something that, yeah, this is something that happens to the trade deadline. I was just right going to say, this is a, a trade deadline conversation. Like, no one makes that kind of determination in January. No, and that's where I'm going. Like, until that time, would it not be in the Flyers' best interest to play Sandstrom a little bit more, maybe split time between the three goalies? No, I honestly no. And and the reason I would I would say is because... I do think that and I've talked about this on past shows. I do think a lot of this is, you know, the next month, two months, three months until the trade deadline. A lot of this is kind of like a fact finding mission. You're trying to figure out exactly at what level this team plays. You know, what is this team? What are we going to do this off season? Is this salvageable? Who needs to go? All those kinds of things. If you start cycling in a third goalie who isn't proven, it sends the message to your team that this is over. That, that, Hasn't the that team we, sent that message to no, the organization no, by playing no. like shit for four you months? You know I mean, that they never quit. Yeah, you, they don't yeah. quit. And no, they didn't as, quit. Bill, as they much as we, quit. 
Bill, Bill, as much as we've joked about how it was the worst seven-game point streak in history, it was still a seven-game point streak. And After as a ten-game losing streak, and, congratulations, and, and it, you didn't even finish 500. And as much as you, as much as I critiqued you for saying that, well, they're actually right in the playoff mix because I talked about the Boston thing, they are actually right in the playoff mix. So no, no, we are not at that point yet. As frustrated as we are, we are not at that point yet. There is still, like, on-the-surface hope a fake glimmer something. of hope that means nothing when in reality well, figuring out the future of this organization is far more important than losing in the first round in six games. Bill, isn't know, everything really fake glimmers of hope in the end? God, no, some teams so can armies. actually win. This team can't. <laughs> I know for a fact this team can't win a round in the playoffs and can't win a Stanley Cup. Like, you that's, don't know that, that for a fact. I do. They're not good enough. Who are they beating? Look at the standings right now and tell me who they're better than. They haven't beat a team they're better that's better than them in 10 fucking years. They're not doing it this year. You're going to clown me for this. But at this point of the season, who thought that the St. Louis Blues were better than anybody? Nobody. And the ah! anomaly... The anomaly of the one of the last 20 yes. years has yes. already happened, so That's they don't the have a chance at recreating it. Here's the thing, though. Let's like, if- look at the players that were on that team, because they're a lot better than the players that are on yeah, the Yeah, they finals. have a number one defenseman. We don't. <laughs> he could come back, maybe. Yeah, he will. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe in time for the playoffs, maybe. Probably not. I doubt it. If I was him, I wouldn't. He Do you see exist. this team? Why the fuck would you want to ruin your body for this team? I'm not saying I would put money on him coming back, but he could. Like I just, in the in the world of ex, of things that could possibly happen, like plausibly happen, this team making the playoffs and Ryan Ellis being physically available for a playoff round is not out of the question. Like it's not a stupid thing to suggest that that could be true. No one said it was stupid. He's just not coming back. No, probably not. But it could happen. I just don't think, Bill. I understand where you're coming from, but I don't think you can send that message to your team now. Especially if you're trying to sell them on the idea that these games actually matter. And if you have decided that you're blowing the team up, then you need these guys to have some semblance of trade value. So if you just completely tank the game that they're playing this season and then you want to try to offload them in the offseason, that's not going to go very well for you. I just, like, I think you can, without actually blowing it up, you can move on from the veterans on one-year deals. Oh, I agree with that. But I think what I'm saying is that I don't think it makes much sense from a motivational standpoint to start being like, okay, Carter Hart's going to get you know 60% of the games, Martin Jones is going to get 20, and Felix Sandstrom is going to get 20. Because it sends the very clear message that we are not about winning now anymore. We are about development, development and figuring out what our young like, guys are. If the players wanted the season to matter, they wouldn't have quit on their coach. But they're not out of it yet. That's the thing. And, I, and Bill, I know you keep going back to, well, they're out of it in my head. But in their heads, they're not out of it. Not in my head. In the reality of the league, they're not as good as the teams ahead of them. Sure. That's fair. So they can't beat them. Well, they can get in the playoffs. No, they can't. You literally just said like 25 minutes ago that they might get in the playoffs. They might, but they're not going and Now you to. just said, no, they can't. Yeah. They might, but like, <laughs> no, there's, there's a statistical possibility that it's going to happen. But in reality, they're a bad team. Okay. I know that because they constantly play bad. Okay. I mean, it, you're, there's a very good chance that you're right, and if that's the case, then it's going to play out exactly the way you think it's going to play out. Let me ask you a question, William. 
So why not get ahead of this then? Shut up. I'm asking you a personal question. As a fan, as someone contractually obligated to watch all of these hockey games, and as a person who at some point in the past used to enjoy them, if this season is neither up nor down, here nor there, wouldn't it be more fun to root for them to make the playoffs? I would love for them. Because it doesn't matter if they don't. No. So wouldn't because it be more fun to root for them to make the playoffs? No, I would, because I'm that just is, that brings more pain. T- that brings more pain to me in the future. I don't know. I no. am personally, I am personally rooting for them to play better so I can watch better hockey. However, I don't think that's going to happen because it's a team of players who've never done shit and will continue to never do shit because that's who they are. So, but how is like how is that? There's a bunch of new guys on this team. Like, are we talking about Claude Giroux again? No, I'm talking about the entire, the whole of the team. None of them have ever had any success in the Justin Braun at one point, Martin Jones, guys I want to trade. Um, I mean, the, Martin Keith Jones Yandel's has been, been to here a couple for three Eastern months. Conference Finals. Keith Yandel's been to a few Eastern Conference Finals. Um, who else on this team's ever accomplished anything? I guess Ryan Ellis, but he's not really on the team. He's played six games. Um, Four. Yeah, he's not real. You gave him two more than he's actually played. Oh, yeah, see? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, I mean, who's ever accomplished anything on this team that make, that gives me the belief that they will just not quit again when things get hard like they did a week ago? I mean, Sean Couturier and Claude Giroux have a very long track record. and Even Scott Lawton have a very long track record of not giving up when shit gets bad, but everyone else does. Yeah, they've, they've, they've accomplished quite a bit. They've been. They've I mean, all, you can't. They've you all can't been to the second win, round. You can't win hockey games when you only have three players playing, and one of them is. Now listen, I love my cat dad, Scott Lawton, but like he's not Claude Giroux, and I, I think that he would also <laughs> agree with that. I mean, also, can, can we, we um, acknowledge? Can, can we also acknowledge that the idea of professional hockey players quitting is like not real? They're I mean, there's also that, athletes. but they don't not try to win. It's been well, programmed into their brain since they're five years old. They try yeah, to win but if every they, single like, game. Yeah, no one's but, going out there and being like, fuck this game. I don't give a shit. I'm not going to try. Like, no one's doing it. I don't it's think that's real. true. That, I think that, that there are a few of them the who are just street. like, I don't buy that for a second. I think that there are points in the game at which their confidence is blown or so- something demoralizing happens. And, like, physically and emotionally, because they're human beings and not robots, maybe the play suffers a little bit. But I would bet every cent that I've ever had my entire life that there's not a single NHL hockey player that at the start of the game was like, fuck this, I'm not going to try to win. No, no chance. They don't do that. I completely disagree. I completely I disagree. I think that at the end of the Elaine Vigneault era, at the end of the Dave Haxtell era, these players were saying, fuck this, I'm not going out there and getting hurt for this guy. I think no, they're going I, I, I don't to think work it goes, and doing the bare minimum. I don't think it goes bare minimum. Like I don't. They're going to go out there, but like giving a shit, they don't. They no, they no. I I disagree. That. I disagree. But I do think that there's an element of when you when as a team you lose faith in what the coach is preaching. Yeah. That everything like I do think a lot of what people interpret to be a team not trying and giving up, especially in hockey, a lot of that is really the team being completely disjointed 
because not everyone is doing what they're supposed to do. The thing with hockey is that, like, hockey is so much of a team game, especially at the NHL level because everyone is really good. Like, it's pretty rare. Like, Connor McDavid is, like, one of the only guys who can actually, like, do whatever the hell he wants and just run around by himself and dominate. Like, you're going to look bad if two out of the five guys on the ice don't believe in the system the coach is telling you. And that doesn't mean that they're not trying. It just means that they've lost faith in what what the team, what the guy's preaching, you know, that, like, oh, God, we're going to do this again. And it's not like there's a nuance in my mind between like I'm giving up and I'm sabotaging this and more just like if you're not if you don't fully have confidence in what you're being told to do, you're not going to execute it that well. And if a couple guys on the ice aren't executing it that well, it makes everyone look like they're quote unquote not trying. Yeah, I mean, well, I think that that's that's the difference. So when I'm talking about giving up, I absolutely don't mean they're they're sabotaging the game. I mean they're skating listlessly and they're not giving a hundred percent. Maybe they're giving eighty percent. Maybe they're giving seventy percent. To me, that's what giving up looks like. No, I I think that it's a situation where, like, just as an example, Claude Giroux is going to go out on a power play designed by Michel Therrien. And he might in the back of his head think there's no fucking way this is going to work because this is stupid because he's a bad coach. But Claude Giroux is going to go out there on the power play and try to score a goal. Like those two things can happen at the same time. Right. Right. And that I don't disagree with. But I think that if if they're going and they're putting him on the wrong side, he's going to be like, well, he's not going to throw up his arms and say fucking. He's going to say he's going to think in his head this probably isn't going to work, but I'm going to go out there. I'm going to try to score a goal. And then it doesn't work because it's a stupid play. But he's not, not he's not that's going not to up. dive for pucks. He's not going to make the the superstar type of plays that he that you would if you're actually like playing your best. I will and fighting say, for a coach. I believe I, I will say I believe, while I agree with Steph, I believe Claude Giroux to be the exception because I don't think he's smart enough to quit. Uh, oh Lord. <laughs> he, I just mean, keeps tra- that's mean. He, he just keeps that's trying mean. hard for this trash organization. <laughs> He's a good. Hey, that, that's a that's good not intelligence. Boy. That's just had, loyalty. If he Might had be misguided his, loyalty. If yes. he had a brain in his fucking skull, he would have asked out of here years ago. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I, I want to try to get this back on track. I love Claude Giroux. I'm not actually calling him a dummy. I'm just making sorry. A joke. I derailed. Yeah. No. No. I no. Think no. They it's, all have rocks fine. for it's, brains, but that's why we love them. It's an yeah, important conversation, well and I think we made that important distinction there. I think it was a good conversation. But I want to get back to Felix Sandstrom specifically, because like I said, uh, he has had, while the excitement level for him, the anticipation to see Felix Sandstrom at one point was quite high. It has been up and down. The next and, Henrik Lundqvist, if Yeah, you exactly. Um, it has been up and down since he's come over to North America, and I don't know if maybe a lot of people thought his upside was ultimately NHL goaltender that you can have confidence in. It was one game and we've seen lots of goalies have one game, but based just on this one game and not just that he made some saves, but that he did it in a poised nature. Uh, he kept them in it. He made a bunch of saves. Um, did it maybe change your feeling that this team, that Felix Sandstrom has, True NHL upside. I think he can be a reliable backup. I don't think he has starting goaltender tender potential at this point. Just yeah. based on yeah, the I don't whole think... of his play in the minor leagues. Yeah, I don't think he's any worse than Alex Lyon. Like, we, he's a fine backup. I mean, after one game. The, the tiniest sample size. Yeah, he's fine. 
Well, even like his AHL numbers, like he's he'll be a fine backup. But yeah, like he's fine. Yeah, he's extremely. He's, he's not going to be. He's not going to be the the one B to Carter Hart's one A, like we once thought that he might be. But he's he's a fine backup goalie, and he comes from within the organization, so that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even ready to say that. Like, I, I'm intrigued to see what Felix Sandstrom can could do given an extended NHL stint. But I'm not going to take like one really good game on a road trip and say that he's definitely an NHL goalie. I mean, there's oh, something, God, no. there's something there. He's obviously very athletic. He's always been very athletic. That said, yeah. I mean, he's never really been that great in the AHL. I think his, yeah. his Sabres had it. And granted, like the fans have been a mess. So I'm not going to completely like write him off for that. But I think his save percentage in the AHL this year is like around 900. It's bad. So yeah. Like, so, I mean, I'd like to see what Felix Sandstrom could be, but I'm certainly not, like, going to pencil him in as Carter Hart's backup for next year. No, and that's why, like, I think it's important, Charlie, you called this season a fact-finding mission. Man, it would be cool not to have to spend money on a veteran backup, especially considering we think Carter Hart is that guy. Yeah. Like, if this could be the, if this could be the, and I know Georgiev hasn't been great for the Rangers, but if you could have this, real good last night. I was going to say turn it around, which is, very annoying. Yeah, uh, like so if he could fucking be... annoying. I'm so sick of these idiot teams in the Metro. Sorry, I'm just mad. The Pens, the Caps, like one of them was supposed to go away and they're not. And the Rangers were supposed to be bad and they're not. And the Flyers were supposed to be good and they're not. I'm just sick of the Metropolitan Division. Thank you. I was, and this is off topic, but it's fine. Uh, watching the Flyers the other night when Drew, uh, they're showing his, pl- his power play numbers. And they show the the guys around the league who have, you know, the comparable numbers to him. And you just see Backstrom and Ovechkin there. And you just think, like, they did so, like, okay. Why? Why couldn't you get him one guy to pay? He put up these numbers with nobody to pass the puck to. Nobody. Scott Hartnell scored fucking 37 goals. You couldn't get him one guy to pass the puck to. He got Braden Shen all this money. Uh, I, ugh. I would love for Braden Shen to have not been traded only because I think that that would have helped Claude Giroux. It would have helped, but he's not like, he's not I mean, but then we got Farabee, and I love me some Joel Farabee, and I think that Joel Farabee's a better player than Braden Shen was. So, like, I get it. I don't don't know where we were even going because I I don't don't really know where you're going with that either, Bill. I'll be totally honest. I have no idea where you were taking that. No, it just, it pissed me off. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> like we're just being mad, and that's fine. The Sandstrom thing, like, is is it not important to find out what he is, like, to be that Georgiev to Hart Shesterkin? Like, if you could have that and not spend the money on a veteran backup, like, shouldn't that be part of this quote-unquote fact-finding mission? Yeah, the, yeah. Or do you just and, have and, to find that out after the deadline? Do we have yeah, to wait I, I think, till then? I think that would be something you find out after the deadline. Yeah, and okay. you have a you have a month. I mean, you have a month and a, and a week or so. I mean, you could give him, you know, seven, eight starts and get an idea of who he is. And obviously, then you'll have more of a sample size of him in the AHL, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's something that you don't have to rush, you know, to, to rush into. Um is it enough? I mean, I don't know. Like, shit, if you're going to do a rebuild, then that's probably what you should do anyway. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, just just go with the cheap guy as the backup and see what he does. He'll fucking they'll do that and he'll beat out Carter Hart. He'll win the Vezina. 
<laughs> well, hey, I mean, remember the um, remember the Rangers back in um, the in the pre Lundqvist years. It was right after, and I'm, I'm certainly not saying this is going to happen, but like weird stuff happens with goalies. Where if you remember the Rangers post Richter, they drafted Montoya with like a top ten pick, and Lundqvist was just like this dude who they picked late, and Lund and like Lundqvist just jumped him. Like, it just happened. And Lundqvist then becomes, like, one of the best goalies ever, or at least the best goalie of this era. And Montoya is just, like, a dude. Like, weird stuff happens with goalies. So you never really know. God damn goalies. Uh, all right. Do we have anything else we want to talk about? No. Um, I think... Anybody making I think that we're done talking about the Flyers. I mean, the question is, like... <sighs> It's just, it, this is just such a bummer. I've said what that word a lot. I've said that word a lot on Twitter the last couple of weeks, but like this whole season is just such a bummer mm-hmm. because, you know, you, you like Ryan Ellis. I don't know if we're just I'm never going to get to see him this year. We're never going to get to see what this team would be with, a, with, you know, a healthy Ryan Ellis. Sean Gatteri, who knows if he gets back to 100% this year. Kevin Hayes, you know, this is a guy who's gone through freaking hell this year, you know, both from a personal standpoint and a physical standpoint. And who knows what we're going to see from him the rest of the year, even though he's playing, he's clearly not himself. It's just, it's just a bummer of a season. And the thing is, is that, you know, we said this after last year that like, you know, yeah, they're extenuating circumstances, but how many times can we keep saying they're extenuating circumstances? Oh, it's real annoying. Like, you can't keep saying it over and over again. At some point, you just have to be like, this shit just ain't working. And it sucks. It's a bummer. I don't even know where to go from here. And I think that that's just bringing the show full circle because yeah, there's no good and there's no easy answer. Everything is just shit at the moment. <laughs> Eat Arby's. No, and that's Life that's why I wanted to start the show with what should we even be rooting for and what is this team? Because... I, mean, I think we should be we should be rooting for, and I'm not saying this is going to happen. We should be rooting for the Flyers to turn it around. We should be rooting Hello? for the Flyers. We should be rooting for the process to get a. And I'm not, when I say turn it around, I don't mean just win games. I mean you know start drive and play. You know start you know putting up good underlying numbers in the power play and the penalty kill. That's what we should be rooting That's for. What I'm it doesn't mean it's going to happen. I'm very skeptical it can for the reasons I've laid out on this show. But we absolutely should be rooting for that. You know it's just every every game they can continue to wallow in this like getting out shot and out chanced and maybe they win a game in overtime because they just have enough talent to beat teams like the sharks and the you know the kraken or whatever like the, if that just, the, the more the, the more games that was pretty good this year but mm-hmm. the more games that that keeps happening the less likely it seems that the kind of turnaround that would actually allow us to get optimistic again about this team the less likely it seems to actually happen. And that's the bummer of it all. Well, I think that's all the time we have talked to you this week. Ended uh, on a high you. note, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> no, it is. It is just uh, bummer is the perfect word. It's, it is. Like, we really thought this was, we were finally going to get, like, this core supplemented, and we were going to get to see what the ceiling of this team is. And instead, it ain't that seeing, high. Yeah. Instead, <laughs> instead, we're seeing fucking Jerry Mayhew and Patrick Brown every night. Like, you know. All right. Anyway, that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts and boom, uplifting 
life-enhancing content like the show today. Just if you're looking to get 2022, uh, you know, get that positive mindset going, new year, new you, what better than this fucking podcast? And, uh, you know, my post game New tonight, year, I bet you, same BSH existential yeah. crises. I bet you, I bet you my post game tonight is off the charts positive and happy for all you people I might struggling call in. Out. Yeah, for all you people Now that I have the app, I might call in. <laughs> for everyone out there struggling, I bet you this will really help you in the new year get off on the right foot. So subscribe to BSH. Hey, uh, hey yeah. you know what actually, actually... I will end it with like some type of positive note here. This isn't really positivity. It's more just like a plea. I understand everyone's Flyers fans. They, they, they love this team. For your own mental health, maybe take a step back and try to enjoy other things other than this hockey team because that's probably the right move because being so incredibly emotionally invested in this team at this moment it's probably not a good call because they're only going to make you depressed and angry. Get outside and touch that grass. Do not in the cold. Stay inside in the heat. <laughs> but also maybe watch some other teams play hockey because they're good. Yeah, or that- watch like a good a good movie or a good television yeah. show or you know, take up some type of hobby that's productive. <laughs> You know what? I saw uh, the movie Don't Look Up on Netflix. Really, I saw uplifting. that. I saw that movie. Really, Seth uplifting. Driver did a movie. Isn't that a pretty downer movie? Like, doesn't yes. everybody die? It's, it's sure incredibly is. depressing. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Spoiler uh, yeah. alert. Steph Driver watched that movie. Find that is. A- that's the biggest. The biggest surprise involved. That's the biggest twist ending with regards to that movie. That's well, Leonardo watched. DiCaprio was in it on Netflix. Yeah. Like. Why yeah. is Leonardo DiCaprio doing a Netflix movie? I have to see this. Watch Fair like point. Red Notice or Jungle Cruise or something. They're, they're you know some 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 you know high calorie, low depression. Uh, but seriously, you can you can still be a diehard fan of this team and maybe acknowledge that this isn't the season to live and die on every single shift and every single game because if you do, you will die. Right, and like that's okay. Die, it's baby. okay to be like. It's fine. This is just not the year. We'll try again next year. It's okay to say that. It doesn't make you any less of a fan. Exactly. 50 games left. Fly or die, baby. Like, don't do that to yourself. <laughs> that we to have yourself. to. And you hear what it does to us. So don't do that. I'm yelling at people I agree with. It's, you know. Uh, all right. So that's it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. My name is Bill Matz for Steph, for Charlie, for Kelly. Have a great week, everybody. Happy New Year. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!